Hey there, welcome back to the show this week. I'm glad to have you with me. If you are currently in a long-term relationship, if you've ever been one in the past, or let's say you're hoping to get one in the future, get ready to put the work in to keep the intimacy alive. And here's the thing. I say work as if it's a bad thing or a hard thing. It's really not, especially when we're able to communicate on our part and then really work on trust in that relationship, because that's what's going to make that big difference. So what I thought would be very helpful for you, especially as long-term relationships, is to share an interview that I was in from the podcast Fit Girl Magic with Kim Jefferson a while back. And Kim was not afraid to take on this tough topic. We talked about boundaries around sex, the types of intimacy, how it affects our relationships, quality, um, love. How do we really show love? And then what most men misunderstand a lot of times and then what women can do as well to work on their communication, changes that happen in long-term relationships, and really how to talk about sex and intimacy and growth. The focus with Kim's work is a lot on, you know, especially feeling more confident for women who are 40 and over. And I definitely fit in that demographic. But regardless of your age right now, this podcast episode will be helpful for you in helping you navigate those conversations, especially in those long-term relationships. So what you're going to hear is a little bit of Kim's intro and her show. So that's why you hear that a little bit different than our regular episodes. And she is interviewing me. So you're going to hear my firsthand thoughts on these topics. And make sure that if you're not currently on the email list where you get emails from me, you want to go ahead and jump on there. You can go to drchristjeverstreet.com, jump on the email list so that you're not missing out on the free trainings and workshops that I've got coming up. The series and the workshops and the way that we're working to create these better relationships with ourselves and others and really working on that connectedness. So sit back and relax and enjoy the interview that I'm in with Kim Jefferson. And I'll be sure to link her podcast, her contact information, her website at the bottom of the episode page at Dr. Christy Overstreet forward slash podcast. And you'll check out all that there. So I'll see you around at the end of the episode. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the Fix Yourself First with Dr. Christy podcast. This is a show for people who are tired of waiting on others to change and ready to focus on themselves in order to improve their relationships. I've learned from my personal and professional life as a psychotherapist and relationship expert that the only way to have a healthy relationship was when I realized that I had to fix myself first versus waiting on others to change. Thank you for listening to my show and go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss any future ones. Now let's get started. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I, why am I saying gentlemen? If there's a dude listening, you got to holla, but mainly for my ladies, my magic makers, I am talking to Dr. Christy Overstreet. And this is a conversation that I've wanted to have for a really long time. We are talking about S-E-X and I'm not talking about what you learned in the eighth grade, right? That you had to get your parents to sign a permission support. I'm talking about the real stuff. I'm talking about you've been married to Bob for a really long time and you can't keep your hands off each other or you're like, oh. He just don't stamp my passport anymore. How do I manage that? How do I deal with it? How do I know that it's not just a phase? How do I know that I need to pull the ripcord? All of those topics we're going to talk about, plus her awesome intimacy program that 
might just be for you. So welcome to the show, Miss or Dr. Christy Overstreet. <laughs> Thanks, Kim. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you letting me be here to hang out with you and talk about this awesome topic. Yeah. So we had a little chit chat before we started talking. And one of the things I said that most people don't talk about sex is because it's taboo, right? You don't either, you don't talk about it with your friends. Hell, you don't even talk about it with your partner. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think that is changing now? Or do you think it's still in that kind of like taboo space? Well, I, I like to think it's changing because of what we're seeing online, what we're seeing in movies, what we're seeing on Netflix, what we're seeing on social media. It's more out there. So it's giving people the permission, but it's still really taboo, especially in couples, whether they're just getting together or long-term relationships. I think it's that internal fear of, um, am I not good enough if I bring mm. this up? It, are we going to have a conversation? Am I going to feel like, you know, here it goes again, I'm not doing enough or I'm mm. not showing up enough. So there's a lot of avoidance of talking about it in relationships because it can bring up a lot of uncertainty, fear, and a uh, feeling of not being worthy enough. Oh, uh, you, you know, you're absolutely right. And so when I hear, when I hear you say that in my head, I think it's mainly women who think that. But it could be, it could be both. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because I think men are so misunderstood around this area. We have this perception of, well, men want it all the time. They never have a problem with sex, right? Well, it's not until they get much, much, much older in their eighties till they start having erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation. But no, like there are so many things that men want to talk about. They want to address it. They want to discuss it with their, with their partners and, They've got their own fear, their mm. own sexual self-esteem struggles too. Are they good enough? Are they giving pleasure enough? And there's a lot that's tied into it. It's just, sure, there's a lot of men that want to talk about it, but and there's a lot of women that want to talk about it, but there's just as many that have fear of discussing it because of it leading to conflict in that relationship. Yeah, you know, and it's funny, you're right, because it's, no one wants to um be the person who is wrong. Or maybe you've, you've changed from, you know, I, if I think about my, you know, my audience are in their forties, some mm -hmm. people met their husband college. Mm -hmm. Some people met their husband at 25 and, you know, you do change. Yes. Yeah. Th there's, there's a lot of change that happened and, and because we are constantly changing, evolving and something that you might have liked, or let's say you've known you know, your husband or you met your partner in college and a very long time ago, what turned you on then? And maybe you were more, a lot more passionate then. You're a totally different world when you're 45 and, or 50 or 55, or you know, you, you've got stress, you got work, maybe you have kids, maybe you have aging parents. There's a mm. lot of different factors, much less hormones, body changing that affects that libido and that drive. And um, maybe even what you're into has changed. Maybe they can only do this and it turned you on. Now they do that and it just irritates the hell out of you. So you're just like, ah, like all these changes happen. It can be really confusing. Right. So now let's, let's go there. So let's just say, you know, the things that, you know, let's call them Bob, no offense, Bob's for the, all the Bob's out there. We love our Bob's. Right. <laughs> Um, but you know, whatever Bob did, you know, used to like blow your hair back. And now you're like, Oh, for the love of God, if he does that one more time, 
Yes. How how do I start that conversation about saying that, you know, that no longer is my thing? Well, what you want to do is make sure that you have that conversation with Bob in a way that's not accusatory, not pointing a finger and not maybe triggering his defenses. It doesn't mean he's not going to get defensive, but there's a way we can serve that in a very healthy way, which is I've been thinking a lot about this and I want to try something different. I really want to try some different things. And are you open to that when it comes to sex and some things different in the bedroom? And Bob probably will be like, oh, heck yeah, I'm open to whatever. And so when Bob starts doing his move, like the move that doesn't work anymore, oh, hey, let's try inch this up or let me right. around this way or let me try, let's try something different versus, you know, you're, this isn't working anymore. If Bob starts, oh, I'm sorry, it's me. Well, actually, it's just us need to change things up a little bit and me need to tell you that you deserve to know that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I like that because it's like versus like you do that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's not happy. No one's happy. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, yeah. I, and I like that approach that it it can and it can happen either before things get heated or it can happen during things get hit, heated. And it's more of a um, gentle guidance. Yeah, it, it feels when it happens real time, it might feel a little bit more organic, a little bit more natural. And one right. thing I think we sometimes forget is the power of nonverbals. Mm. We can say to our partner, oh, yeah, that feels good. But if we're rolling our eyes or gritting our teeth or our body may be tensed up or our arms are crossed or whatever's going on, it can really signal a lot. So it's important that we watch our partner's nonverbals and we watch our own nonverbals and try to put those into words if we want to do it or some gentle direction real time. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Cause it's like, I think, you know, maybe that could be a lot of problems that, you know, like you said, over the years that just, you know, we change. Yeah. Um, and also it could just be also a cue to check in that, you know, I'm not saying that we, it's like, you know, checking your oil, like every 3000 miles, <laughs> you got to have a checkpoint, but like it's from time to time, just be like, you know, does this feel good? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's important because you're, you're bringing up the conversation and you're not waiting for the stuffing and stacking, meaning mm. when we get frustrated, we stuff and we stack mm-hmm. and stuff and we're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yes. Slamming doors. And that resentment is anger towards mm. them, the situation turned inward on herself and we're going to explode. Absolutely. It's going to come out so ugly and it's going to be harder and, and, and worse on the relationship versus just trying to bring it up a little bit real time. Yeah. 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 No, I, it, it's funny. Cause I, I, I'm I literally after our call today, I'm talking with a woman about burnout and just that whole, like, you know, we swallow, you know, we swallow yeah. and swallow and swallow. And then you just become like Mount Vesuvius. And, yeah. you know, 20 years ago when you didn't open the door yeah. for me and all the other things that like you just stuff down, come out. Well, and then what, when that happens, it's so common. Couples then get stuck in this cycle and, and it becomes a circular argument. And they're not getting out of that mm. without stopping it, jumping off the merry-go-round and just saying, wait a minute, I got to be accountable. I'm noticing I'm bringing this up or I've got to do my own work. And that's what so many couples land in working with me or women come into the intimacy program because they're just in this cycle nonstop. And it's really hard to break. Yeah, it it, it is hard to break because, I mean, you know, we are two types of people. We're the kind of person who everything's my fault. Or I rock, you suck. Mm-hmm. 
right? And, you know, there might be some people who fall in, in between, but those are like the strongest character. Those are the strongest character types out there. And so if, if I'm that woman who I'm always like, it's my responsibility to make sure that we have this amazing sex life. And again, who defines what an amazing sex life is? Wow. You know, because if I look at my lifetime movies, they're having sex all the time and I'm wearing negligees all the time. Yes. Like I don't have on flannel one time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And if I watch Hallmark, I only kiss the end of the movie. <laughs> right. right. That's the narrative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think for, for, you know, people asking, it's like, I think so many of us get caught up in numbers. Like I should have sex this many times mm-hmm. a week or month, year. And if, you know, you have this, like, I don't know who's counting, but (laughs) that number that's like stuck in your head that if you're not hitting this number, there's something wrong. Right. Right. And and I think it's our strive to want to be, let's just say normal. Mm. Well, if what's normal sex or how often uh, there's the should, right. Often should we be having sex? And so I say, how often do you want to have sex? How often do both of you agree that you're actually going to come together and have sex? Right. You have to collaborate on that because there is no norm. What it means is that focus has got to be on quality of enjoyment and not quantity of numbers. Because I know couples that have sex multiple times a week and they're not experiencing a whole lot of pleasure because they're just checking the box because they should be doing it. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And I I think we get caught up in the numbers that, I don't know, like, you know, it's like it's a freaking challenge. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I agree. I think you have to think about what do you get out of it versus is it just we did the act, check, moving on. (laughs) Well, you know about this more than anyone with the work that you do you know, with fitness and, you know, body changes, we have kind of grown up and being so focused, especially women in our forties that focus on the scale, right. Or the size of the pants. I'm trying to get to this magic number or this magic size when really that there's so many women that get to that. And they're like, is this it? Like, that's all I want to get. It's because they didn't enjoy the journey of it. They didn't focus on their body. They didn't get present and they've lost this weight or got to this size and it's not enough. And it's really startling. Same thing when it comes, Oh, we're having sex three times a week, but um, I can't keep up. I'm not enjoying it. And I'm getting a little bit resentful because every time I say no, there's a problem. Right. That's number focus quantity versus quality. And so I know you see that all the time. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it, I always love how um, fitness, it kind of like transcends into different areas. You know, I've talked to people who are entrepreneurs and how, you know, the comparison thing comes up and, but it also comes up in weight loss, you know, same thing in sex. Like, you know, I've heard the Joneses, they're doing it four times a week. All right. So we're going four times a week. And like you said, if you do it four times a week and you're just like, why, you know, then it's like, maybe you're better at one time a week because maybe the Joneses don't have, you know, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old running around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but you said something very interesting about um, the enjoyment. So how do, how do you bring up that conversation about enjoyment? If I am in that, like, let's check the boxes. Mm-hmm. mode how do I bring up the you know do 
how do we scale it, either scale it back or how do we, in the times that we do it, how do we both have the enjoyment? Sure. Well, what we have to focus on is seeing sex or just a physical intimacy, so a physical connection and sex being one of those types of physical intimacy as a buffet approach. And I like mm. to call it the sexual buffet, right? So there's all kinds of different things on the buffet. When I go to a buffet, I might want a little of this. I don't want any of that this time. But when I go back for round two, maybe I want to try this a little bit different. And we approach physical intimacy and sex that way we can say, hey, you know what? I'm not really in the mood for this. However, can we try this instead? I know I can get my head into this today because I've had this kind of day. So it's not a, it has to look exactly like this all the time because, oh my gosh, that's horrible. And that's old. And there is no quality in that. Quality meaning enjoyment. And so when we approach this buffet and we have this, you know, collaboration, this partnership of saying, hey, like you like some things, I like some things and things we like together. And those things that we like doing together, it doesn't have to be the same routine all the time. And then you're going to be more apt to experience pleasure when things don't get monotonous. And, you know, if your goal is a long-term relationship, things get monotonous. Mm. If you don't use this buffet approach, it'll be like the kiss of death for your experience of quality and physical intimacy for you and possibly your partner. Yeah, no, I, I I like that idea of the buffet because if, you know, sex is the same, you know, it's kind of like a rinse and repeat, if you will, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and especially like we talked earlier, like if you're doing the things that just don't do it for me anymore, then it is going to be, you know, a grind. Yeah. Um, but if you kind of, like you said, have that openness where it's like, yeah, I'm not in the mood for that. But if we did this instead... Um, and you know, I don't, I can't, I mean, I would hope the person you're with is like, no, it has to be this way. <laughs> well, there, there's a lot of relationships like that. And what's, which why they end up, you know, working with me is that you've got one partner that's so stringent or maybe not open or it's got their own stuff going on. Right. It happens. It's just, you know, not being, and I tell people, it's like, all right, you're going to have an easier time trying to walk through the wall to get outside versus saying, Hey, what? What do I need to be a little bit more open to? What does it mean for me to kind of let down this expectation that's actually mm. unrealistic? You mean I actually can get my needs met and actually please? Yeah, you can actually please your partner if you get a little bit more flexible in that way. And that's what's so important about a collaboration in a relationship versus, you know, having to go and say, I'm going to give this up or you give that up. And um, collaboration is definitely that approach where both people show up as themselves. They're open and honest with them and they can, you know, really speak up for their needs, but then also listen to their partner's needs as well. Right. And so, you know, how, how do I start this conversation? Like, you know, it's, it's been going on <laughs> and you're like, I don't even know how long it's been going on. And you're just kind of like, you know what, how do I, you know, either we stopped having sex or we're just stopped having fulfilling sex how do you just say all right (laughs) time to have a conversation right well i i think the best approach for this is to start very authentic well your timing making sure like you both have a little bit of time and space it's not to be a three-hour conversation but it can't be walking out the door right right (laughs) getting the timing set up and to not make it more than it has to be because that's where the fear Mm. you know couples make this conversation so big and hairy and, and, and i'm like wait a minute sex is supposed to be fun and enjoyable and pleasurable how do we make it so hard to talk about it's because of our own stuff 
own stigma, our own shame, our own background, whatever comes, we bring our emotional baggage to the table around it. But to start that conversation, you want to say, I'm, I'm really struggling and I want to talk with you about this. Are you open for me sharing a couple of things with you? I just need you to listen. You don't even have to like do it. Just, just hear me right. out. And you approach it in a way that's like, hey, I'm, this might be hard for me to talk about. So I'm just giving you a heads up. Be patient with me as I go through this. Mm. So you're setting your partner up to kind of just sit back and maybe go into receive mode. And then you just kind of share, hey, you know what? I'm, I've not been really enjoying where things at. I don't know if you, and I don't want to make an assumption, but I don't know if you're enjoying it either. But can we talk about how we both can maybe even enjoy it even more? Because I want you to experience pleasure. I want to experience pleasure. And I, and I think just kind of as a side note, a lot of women get this wrong is they think their partner just wants more number of sex. Well, I just want the increase in frequency where their partner is if they're going, Hey, if you just enjoy it, I'd rather do it less. And you actually enjoy it versus rolling your eyes during it. I take it once a week or once every two weeks, if it's quality, not rating quality stars, but more of a, in you looked and seemed like you enjoyed it. I'd much rather have quality over quantity. So you're probably with the partner, I hope, that's in a space that's like, yeah, we both want to have pleasure. We need to be able to talk about this. Um, but going in, just being really authentic and letting them know up front, hey, this might be difficult for me to say, you are almost putting that permission out there that you're going to hit some bumps along the road and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you might, you know, step into a hornet's nest that mm-hmm. you might not even didn't know was a hornet's nest. Yes. Yeah. Because our partners have feelings, emotions, and beings just like we do. And so they may get activated. They may get triggered. They may get defensive and know that comes with the territory. But what is worse if you keep stuffing and stacking, stuffing and stacking stuff, it's going to blow up anyway. So why not go ahead and deliver it in a more controlled way where you're being authentic and real versus continuing to avoid it till it gets so hard and difficult that you can't unwind the mess that you made. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, 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 so true right there. So, you know, one of the things that we've, we've touched on so many different things is, you know, how, how we kind of, if we've fallen off track, if you will, you know, we've talked about how to get back on track. It's, you know, having that awkward conversation mm-hmm. and, you know, how to, as a person who's going to initiate the conversation, how do I psych myself up? <laughs> That's a good question. So I want you to start just by saying, I deserve pleasure. Mm. I deserve feeling good in my body. And I owe it to my partner to be honest. And so it's taking you first and foremost, you're fixing yourself and saying, hey, I, it's not that I'm broken. It's just I deserve to feel good. And however that looks to me, but then my, my partner also deserves honesty because mm. I sure as heck expect him to bring honesty. So how can I not show that back? And so that also gives you that extra bit of like, I owe this to them to tell them this. So doing that would definitely help. Um, if you're, if you're really struggling, you can't get yourself in that, in that space, maybe make a list of all the negative things that could happen if you don't have the conversation. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Because then you look down, you're like, well, I don't have an option out. I wrote all this stuff down and it's in the it's in the universe. I better get on it. So that's like an extra added boost. Right. I, I mean, I also like writing it down, write it down on two fronts. One, what are the things that you stay organized so that if there is, you know, a hornet's nest you might step into, you stay on task and you don't get derailed down some other, you know, rabbit hole. Uh, but I also like the the... Uh, plus deltas, right? If if I have this conversation, here's all the great things that can happen. If I 
don't change this, these are all the things that can happen. And so, you know, you look at it and you're kind of, I would hope <laughs> the pluses <laughs> outweigh the changes. Yes, absolutely. You, you, you've kind of get to the point, if you don't do it, you're going to have regrets. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely like, so that's a way for you to kind of, you see that you're straying away from each other and as a way to kind of come back to each other. But are there other ways, you know, that you can show that you're like, you know, I still absolutely love you. I adore you. I admire you. You know, are there ways that I can show that to my partner? Absolutely. And these don't get enough attention. There are 12 different types of intimacy and physical intimacy and sex is one of those types of physical intimacies. That's just one of the 12. Mm. A couple of the examples is recreational intimacy, like going enjoying quality time together and experiencing something fun and active. That communication intimacy, how you communicate on that deep level that really builds trust, which is absolutely going to help your physical intimacy. Um, there, there is spiritual intimacy if you're connected on that spiritual level. Mm -hmm. And there are several other different types of intimacy. And the way you do that is like you give and get these intimacy needs met. That's not all focused just on sex. Right. Maybe it's helping out with chores. Maybe it's a quality time. Maybe it's words. Maybe it's gifts. All the different love languages tied in with the intimacy. Gotcha. Those are just as important. Yeah. And if you, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the love languages, it's, um, who wrote the book? I just went completely blank. Yeah, me too. Chapman, uh, Dave, is it Dave Chapman? Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman. There we go. We're a team. I got the last one. We got the first. We're good. And it's so funny. Like, I never remember. Him. I, I'm like, I saw the cover of the book and I was like, his name is not there. <laughs> I saw the color, but not his name. I'm going to yeah. write this. I'm going to write this down. Cause I'm going to put it in the, uh, in the show notes for you. But, um, you know, I actually talked about this 12, um, levels of intimacy. And one of the things that Gary Chapman talked about is he has, there's five love languages and one of them are like, and if you think as you read through the book, you will, you know, you don't even have to take the damn quiz, just read the book and you will just be like, Oh, that's me. Right. So, you know, I'm for someone who's I'm acts of service. You unload the dishwasher. You can ask me anything. Like, <laughs> yes. You know, like you could tell me anything where some people need presents. I don't need a present unloading the dishwasher is present enough for me fold a shirt that's present enough for me so it's it's a great book for you just to kind of and as you read it you'll I mean I know what my partner is like he's acts of gratitude and I did you just you just know that that's things he needs and so it just makes it a little easier to have those conversations to know what level they're at yeah and I think what what we get wrong so many times it's especially as women is we give love in the language that we want to receive it. Yes. And our partner, like we're given access service because I've sure help, you know, I want that help with a dishwasher and our partner, they need the words of affirmation. And so like you're giving the way you get versus like, what does my partner need? Yeah. What do I need and getting on the same page with that. Yeah. And, and it, that was like a, a very eye opening book. Cause you don't really, until you read it, you don't realize you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> he wrote this book about me. <laughs> right. Right. And it's, you know, one of those books that probably, you know, someone has mentioned multiple times and you're like, yeah, I get to it. Oh, I get to it. And then you read it. Like, oh, yeah. This is all me. <laughs> so, you know, we've talked about, you know, it's 
how do we keep it? And, and I really think it's really exploring those 12 types of intimacy, but also, you know, like you said, having that hard conversation, but also you talk a lot about, if you haven't followed her on social media, we'll get to that later, but you talk a lot about on social media boundaries and, you know, establishing boundaries. And I would love to just kind of, I always ask a lot of, especially when I have, you know, psychologists on, I always like to hear their approach to boundaries because that's one of the one, the the main things that cause people to get resentment, burnout, and just, you know, lose it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So how do I set boundaries here and around, you know, sex? Well, we've got to start with what boundaries are. Now, boundaries to you might look different than how it is to mm. me. Kind of the way I see boundaries are, boundaries are how we teach people how to treat us. Yes. That's what a boundary is. I don't care who that person is in the world. It's just, that's how we teach them that boundary. I think of it as like um, a electric fence or an invisible fence. So we have to teach people how close they can get emotionally, physically, and then how, how far to stay away. And it's our boundaries that teach them that. So we have to know what our boundaries are in Mm. order to teach them. They're not magically just going to know what our boundaries are or not. Right. We have to do that exploration to figure out who are we as a whole person and then what are our boundaries in each part of these six parts of ourself as a whole person. And when we learn that the boundaries is our responsibility to put out there, is it saying no? Is it saying, um, I don't feel comfortable with this? Is it saying, I, 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 I'm not in the mood tonight. I am exhausted and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Right. And, and putting that out there, boundaries, as well as speaking up for needs like, hey, you know, I do deserve to have a fulfilling, enjoying sex life. And I'd like to have that with you. So how can we show up together so we can get each other's needs met? So the boundaries are really important, depending on the amount of stuff that you got going on in your life. If you struggle to say no to people that make demands on your time, make demands on your money, make demands on these different parts of your life, you're going to have less time to spend in that relationship because or your job or whatever it is. So your relationship is going to hurt because you're not setting boundaries with everyone else in your life. And maybe it's you're giving everyone else in your life attention except your partner. And and we look at one of two things. Number one, are you struggling to say no to boundaries and you're getting resentful because everybody's asking you, but you're the one saying yes. Or is it because you are replacing your partner with everything else because you're avoiding dealing with a conflict, maybe the lack of intimacy, maybe you've lost a, that love and feeling towards them and you've come up with all this stuff so that you kind of self-sabotage the relationship. So there's a couple of different factors that go into that with boundaries. Yeah, no, I, um, it's funny. I always take notes during uh, my podcast. And so you've said this a couple of times and I absolutely want to reiterate it and then also go a little deeper. The, you deserve to have a happy and fulfilling relationship. And I feel that many people don't buy into the deserve part. Do you know what I mean? That it's, this is how it is. Or, well, I'll get to it. You know, Mm -hmm. where, like you said, you know, if I have a demanding job, um, kids, aging parents, life, and here's my list. And me is down here somewhere around 99 to 100. Yep. You know, how do, you know, and I'm sure as you work with people here, you know, that's probably a a, a resounding thing that you have to bring up. Like you deserve to have five minutes for yourself. It's such a big issue. And I think so much has to do with either 
you know, we don't feel like we're good enough that we deserve it or mm-hmm. that um, we've not done enough yeah. to deserve it. Like we've not checked enough boxes. We're not enough of a martyr of Ooh, doing yeah. everything. And another part definitely could be that um, no, not having boundaries. We don't teach people that our time is important. And then we think that um, if we do it, it's selfish. If I do these things for me, it means I'm being a selfish. And we are, I don't know about you, but I was raised to be this good girl and good mm-hmm. girls are selfish. And so when you realize, wait a minute, it's got nothing to do with being a good girl and not being a good girl. It's about the need. And I tell this to women with kids all the time. Like, I know you're going to put your kids first, but here's the problem. You're modeling to them that versus putting yourself first mm. and what you need to use. So you're a little bit more charged. You can show up the way you want to. If not, you're stuck with mom guilt or you're not putting your relationship status up there as important. And you're not modeling to your kid how to have a healthy relationship because you're putting your kid above your right. relationship. And that's a huge problem. Yeah, no. And, and I've I've seen it in my clients, you know, that, you know, kid, 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 and, you know, all of the things take a back seat. And, and I, you know, I get that you want to do for your kid, but at some point, you need five minutes. Yes, <laughs> maybe 15. Yeah. Because what happens when you don't take that time, when you don't go in the bathroom and say, unless someone's bleeding or the house is on fire, leave me alone. Yeah. If you don't do that, you're blowing up on them. Then you're feeling guilty. And then it's, I'm a bad mom. I knew I wasn't good enough. And you're stuck in that self-hatred, that cycle, right. where if you could take a magic couple of minutes or take half a day or whatever it is you need to do, I am all about prevention as mm. much as possible versus reaction. It's funny because I, I, you know, if I think about how, we were raised as kids. I don't remember like my mother being like everything I did had to come first. Yes. <laughs> there was like, you know, there was a, a, a balance, right? There was. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know how the shifts in parenting change that, you know, you had to do everything for your children. Yeah. And it's got nothing to do with love. They loved you all day, but I was the same way. I was raised like the, the kid's not the priority. It doesn't mean how was it important and loved and nurtured, had incredible parents. But let me tell right. you what, my, I knew real quick that hierarchy in that family. And I, <laughs> I had the fear of mom and then the fear of God, just like you knew right. what to do and not do. And they taught us that, you know, you're, I'm not your best friend. I'm going to love mm-hmm. and support you. But I, you know, I have to, all these other things have to be taken care of too. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know how we kind of like veered away from that, but I think, you know, the work that you do and the other work that I, women like you that I follow who are like, it's okay for you to have the life you deserve. It's okay for you to be happy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and pursue whatever it is that makes you happy. (laughs) Absolutely. That modeling, that behavior goes a heck of a lot further than telling your kid what to do and not do. They don't give a rip about what you tell them what they care about is what they see you doing. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Exactly. And the other thing that you touched on is saying no, right? We feel like I went to a a conference, God, maybe like 10 years ago, and the woman stood on stage and she's like, I'm going to teach you how to say no. And everyone's like, and she's like, okay, listen. Um, She goes, hey, um, do you want to go out for drinks after this? And you really don't want to, it's been a long day. And what do you say? You either like, sure, I'll go for one. Or you say no. And this is babble, 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 why you can't go. You can't just say, no, that's not on my agenda tonight. 
and move on. You have to feel like you have to give this like, you know, full dissertation about why you're saying no. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you said, just say no. It's okay. Yeah, if we start treating no like a complete sentence to the yes. heart of our English teachers, we'd be a lot better off. But it's that not wanting to be rejected, not wanting to be seen as, I say ugly, because we're raised, you don't be ugly, you be nice, you don't be right, rude, right. you be a good girl. And so all that we add into that to try to make that no a little bit more palatable mm. because we feel like our no is not enough. And that is debilitating us as women. Yeah, no, you're right. And, or even just saying no to protect my sanity. You know, maybe I just had a long ass day. <laughs> And I just want to sit on my couch for five minutes and just be in silence. Yes. Yeah. I, I literally, what's about a month and a half ago, I went and made my no list. I do this usually quarterly hmm. um, or depending on where my life's at, I might do a little bit more because I need constant reminders and revisions of it. But my no list is things that I'm saying no to personally and professionally and what's going to guide me. If I don't have this resonating, yes, I am on it. Well, I can't wait. I'm going to say no and go with that and let that kind of dictate my forward direction. But I have to, because I get in my head, I have to write things out. So I literally have. Uh, I'm a writer too. That's my filter. That will be my filter. So when an opportunity comes up, when someone asks something, I'm like, oh, no, I got my no list. That's my accountability. All right. So we got to go a little deeper on that. So Let's talk about the no list. So are these, what goes on this list? So if I'm someone who's like, oh, that kind of resonates with me, how do I know one? Yes. So you think about the things that you're not enjoying that often come up for you or things that irritate the hell out of you that you're just like, I'm not again going to host that birthday party next or the garage sale for whatever, like whatever it is that you know is coming up. Gotcha. Those things, or maybe it's career wise. Maybe it's something going on where you're like, I'm just, I know this sales conference is coming up and I just, I can't go. My boss is going to ask me, but I'm, I, I cannot do it. I just know I can't. So it's personal, professional, wherever you're at in the world. And you put down the things that don't resonate, the things that you know, you're going to get asked and the things you said yes to in the last couple of months that you still mad at yourself for saying yes. Yeah. To. That's what comes up for me a lot of times. Yeah. Okay. I get it. So it's kind of like, you know, if I have kids and I'm like, you know what, I ain't in for the bake sale. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be up all night cooking, baking chocolate chip cookies. You yeah. know, if you want me in the bake sale, I'm going to the local supermarket. I'm going to buy them. Mm-hmm. And if you're not down with that, take my name off the list. Exactly. I don't know, Kim, if you've read Shonda Rhimes' book. The year yes. I got it right here because we, in our book, in our um, I Don't Intimacy Method, we have a book club and we're just finishing up this. And so I'm torn sometimes like, wait a minute, I need to be saying yes. I'm like, no, I know me. I need no. I hear what she's saying. I love the bake sale. I love putting those no's out there and being okay with it. But yeah, you, you've got to be able to say no to things that don't serve you. If not, you're going to be pretty miserable and disconnected. Yeah. And it's funny that you brought the book up because I'm like, it's a book. It's a, a book that I should reread. I, I read it when it first came out. Mm-hmm. And but it's a book that you should reread because there are things that I have wanted to say no to that I've said yes to that worked out. Yes. So it's kind of like, it's experiment experimentation. Exactly. So yeah, I'm never going to bake any, anybody's damn cookies. Let's just be honest there. Mm-hmm. But there's certain things of like, 
experiences that I might've said no to that ended up working out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I'll admit that like, you know, my husband will push me into an event and I'll be like, I don't want to go. And then I go and I'm like, all right, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that. I know that feeling, especially getting social. Cause you, you work with people. You're like, I just don't want to go do anything. And then afterwards, you're like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. I was really dread. <laughs> right. Because I mean, you and I talk to people all t- day long. So I was like, the last damn thing I want to do is make small talk with people I don't care about. And then I go and I'm like, I meet one interesting person. I'm like, okay, it was worth it. You're right. <laughs> right. But if it was something that wasn't worth it, I'd be like, you know what? Um, I'm not going to go to those types of events anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my husband and I have this whole like get out of jail free cards and there's I, there's like two events that he's like, you have to go to. Everything else is an option. Nice. And so it's having that like conversation of like, I'm going to go to this event by myself. Mm-hmm. If it sucks, it was my suck. <laughs> if, if it was fun and it happens again, I'm going to say, come along with me. Yes. I love that. So that share that shows you what to put on your no list right there. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely, I, I love the idea of a no list because, um, I went to another event and she had a a done list. And Mm. so many of us focus more on, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you know, hustling, grinding, and then you're like, but I didn't get this done. And then you don't, and then you look at, you're like, you don't look at the 500 other things that you got done, but you just think about the three things that didn't happen. And some of it could have been like, well, she didn't call me back. So I couldn't get it done. Or, you know, I just ran out of time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I love the idea of the no list. Now I want to get into your program. So you have this program called the intimate intimacy method. <laughs> what does that, you know, what is the, you know, if I, if I were to join this program, what am I going to get out of it? Sure. Well, the ideal intimacy method program is a group coaching program for women that helps them identify, speak up and figure out mm-hmm. their emotional and physical intimacy needs, whether they're single or in a relationship. So what I did was based off 14 plus years of working with individuals and couples and built this program. So it's, so you have the access, the, there's videos, there's home, ton of homework assignments that you self-study and go along with, as well as we do group coaching calls twice a month. In, and we do have a book club option too and a Facebook page where we interact. So you get the access to me through that. And what we focus on is there's three phases. The first phase is figuring out yourself as a whole person because we mm. are a whole person. There's six parts to who we are, our emotional self, our relational self, our sexual self, our physical self, our recreational self, and our career or professional um, work self. And so we go into each of those and we identify the needs because those mm. needs, a lot of times we don't know who am I. Yep. I've been married the same person for so many years. Who am I? Who was I, that person? And now I'm here. Figuring those out in phase one. The second part, um, after we kind of start looking at what our needs are, we look at removing the blocks. There's a lot of intimacy blocks that keep us mm. closed off and avoidant. And so we go through the steps to remove those blocks and replace them. And then the third phase is taking the action, taking the different things along our needs, communicating those in a relationship, having our, our wish list of partners in the future, or mm. knowing what to avoid, how to communicate that and put it into action. So this is a 12-month program where you get to hang out Ooh. with me, coach you through everything you're going through. We talk about the real situations happening with you and the group of women are really powerful uh, with one another. There's so many similarities. We're sharing stories 
about what's working for them in their relationships and things that are not working. So it was a way that I could give more access to people with the information that I've been working and teaching for so many years and get that access to me um, so I can walk with you side by side through it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, first of all, 12, a year is like powerful because, you know, I'm sure there are people who balk like, oh, a year. And it's like, you know, this isn't like, you know, 12 minutes to, you know, yeah. changing your life. Um, but I, I like that there is a kind of stair step, you know, and as, you know, as I was reading through your stuff, it starts with who the hell are you? Yes. And, you know, have we taken five hot minutes to, see who we are now, you know, because who I was at 20 something is definitely not who I am at 40 something. Mm -hmm. And who am I going to be at 60 something? Mm -hmm. And the same thing rings true for your partner. Mm -hmm. That's scary conversations to have. It's really hard and fear provoking because the fear is, well, what if I get in there and realize that this really isn't working and I kind of feel like it's not, or I realize that I have to do some changes. And that's the, where the, the focus is on fixing yourself first so that you're making these healthy changes. We work on boundaries, sexual self-esteem, um, your emotional intimacy needs, what got nurtured, what didn't get nurtured, how to figure that out within yourself and communicate that and use strategies and tips. Because if you don't, you're going to stay stuck in that cycle. Right. And, and this is just, it's just a way to break the cycle quicker and the biggest thing we focus on is accountability. Whereas we don't just like, of course you do at your own rate and your own pace, but that accountability each month of setting that intention for the next two weeks. Did you do it? Did you not? What got in the way? What were the barriers? How did that conversation go? And we're there working all together through things. So it's pretty powerful. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, as a, you know, I do fitness and for a lot of people, you know, they want 12 weeks to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? Like, if you think about how long it takes to like write the ship, <laughs> it's not a 12 week thing, you know, in 12 weeks, like, you know, if you have a number of different blocks and limiting beliefs, I might just have chipped away at maybe one that you might be like, huh, maybe that's the one. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're still in the place of like, you're not ready to go a little deeper. Yeah. Now, and this group, um, do we have, so we have calls and I'm, we are all kind of like, you know, I'm going to use the Weight Watchers analysis, mm-hmm. analysis where Weight Watchers minus the scale where, you know, you're teaching on something and we're kind of, you know, chiming in on what, what, where we are in that particular phase that we're in of the program. Yeah. And, and we, we cover different parts of the work as we kind of go along and the biggest thing is how it applies directly to each person's life. The, mm. the, everything's optional, meaning if you can't make it, if you miss it, your kid's screaming, you can't get away. They're all recorded. So you have access afterwards or you jump in the Facebook group, put a question out there and we cover it in the group as well. So there's a lot of access of working the, the education part that you're learning from me, but then it's applying it to your specific situation. It might look different. So we're this community working through these things together with me guiding calling out when I need to call out, holding you accountable and keeping you structured and focused throughout the whole way through. Yeah. I like this because, so I guess the question I have is, you know, most people think that when there is a problem between you you and your partner, that it's going to couples counseling. And so would you say that this is the first step to be like, who the hell am I? And then we can bring in that other person. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. This will cut down on your couple's time if you figure out who you are and go ahead and put this into into play. Now, if you're currently in couples counseling, can you do this in tandem? Sure you can. Of course you can. This is your own pace. It's, right, right. That's the good thing about an online course. You do this at the pace you want to do it, but I'm holding that accountability to make sure that you're getting it done. Right. Um, and again, this is the fix yourself first. If you work on you, you're naturally going to see a change in that couple dynamic because you're changing how you do things. They've got no option, but to make some type of change. The fear is, will they make a change where they don't want to be there anymore? If you don't address it, you're going to keep stuff in a stack and stuff in a stack and blowing up and self-sabotaging anyway. Right. And if you are, you know, in that place that you're thinking that I might not want to be here anymore, you know, that's where you have to kind of see if it's you or them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we look through, you know, with the program is what is it about that whole self that's not working? Because most people are like, well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with sex. So I'm going to get into the pro. Yeah, we absolutely cover physical intimacy and sex is one type of that. But I'm more interested in how's it entrenched in you? How's it showing up? What's mm. happening with your sexual self-esteem? And, and how do we need to remove any intimacy blocks that's keeping you from experiencing pleasure? Because the more you tap into you and stop pointing at your partner, the better relationship you're going to get, period. Because you can then live and accept yourself. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I, I you know. We all all want to think everything that's wrong is outside of ourselves. <laughs> it's you know it's easier to be yeah. like oh if I if, if if you know or maybe if I just had this or I just had mm-hmm. that you know my life would have radically yeah. been different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I totally um, I know that it, it's hard. It's it's hard. Mm-hmm. Like we all believe our shit don't stink, <laughs> and so <laughs> when you know someone like yourself or myself, but like. It might stink a little bit, but we're here to make sure that it doesn't stink all the time. Yes, absolutely. So this has been such a great conversation and you've like hit on all of the things And I hope that, you know, for those of you who may be having these challenges, um, one, you have a resource, right? Follow her on Instagram because she provides us. I, I like her because it's simple, right? It's not like, you know, stand on one leg, chew a piece of gum, you know, while patting your stomach, you know, it's like really simple things like, oh, that's something I could try tonight. You know, plenty of things we've given here in this podcast, you can try this evening. So where can they find you on the socials? Well, the quickest way to connect is on Instagram at at Christy underscore Overstreet. Connect with me there. Send me a DM. Let me know you found me here on, on the podcast with Kim. And um, then you can go to the website at ChristyOverstreet.com uh, and have all the information there, as well as Facebook at Dr. Christy Overstreet. And so now, you know, the program here, um, is it a ongoing enrollment or does it enroll, you know, only a few times a year or? It's ongoing enrollment because everybody's at a different place in their awesome. relationship at different times. So we welcome new members in all the time. Oh, good, 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 good. Because I was like, I would hope to be like, oh, yeah, we talked about it. And I'm like, you can't get it until December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't do that when it comes to this program. Like people like wake up like, oh, my gosh, I need this. I wanted to have that availability for them to come on in. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's I, I, I was hoping that that was the answer. <laughs> and so I ask everyone, what is one thing that makes you feel magical? Reading. I know it sounds funny, but I am a huge book nerd. So it's the reading, but it's that taking that time where I don't deal with anybody's anything except mine. I get to go in my magical place in my mind that I've done since I was very little and just get to have that time for me. So I make sure 
almost every day I read 30 minutes to an hour just to, to get it in. So I have that little away place to go. And that's pretty magical for me. So now when you read, you read, is it both, you know, nonfiction, fiction, you know, anything, any reading? Yes. Any reading I, I've, I've got typically, you know, I've turned to my mother. I've easily got three to four books at any time open. And I've made fun of my mother her whole life for that. And here I am doing the same thing. So mom, you were right. <laughs> I know you're like, darn it. <laughs> Uh, I'm the same way. I, I'm a big reader too. And I like on my nightstand, I probably have like four or five books, books going and, you know, I, depending on what I feel called to read that night. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. Um, Magic makers, find her, look for on the socials, um, ask questions. Don't, don't be shy. She is approachable. That's why I approached her. I'm some <laughs> rando on the internet that approached her. So reach out, approach her because, you know, like she said, you deserve to have a happy, healthy, sexy life. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Christy. Thank you for having me, Kim. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for sticking around to the end of the episode of Kim's interview with me. I hope you found it helpful. Be sure to check out her work on um, her own podcast, Fit Girl Magic Podcast, as well as her website. She's got a lot of great resources. And again, we'll have that linked on the episode page. So you'll be able to grab those. And I appreciate you as always being here and supporting me. Every time you send me a DM, every time you um, connect with me on social media, every time you shoot me a message, it really helps me see what's resonating with you, what you're loving, even what you're hating. Go and send it my way. I'm always open as I'm continuing to develop and make this podcast be of a service for you. Also, don't forget, if you're not connected on my email list, go ahead and jump on there. And I look forward to talking to you in the next episode. We're going to take on some really interesting topics. And I hope you take what you learned today, go apply it to your own relationship. And I'll talk to you real soon. for listening to my show. Your support means the world to me. Remember, you can always be a guest on the show to get your questions answered, or you can email me your questions on my website. If you enjoyed the show, please consider giving it a review on iTunes and downloading all the episodes. You can access all the information I discussed today in the show notes at christyoverstreet.com slash podcast. Until next time.